uh, visit another church. And I always love visiting other churches, uh, one in Orlando in particular, and uh, seeing what, what God's doing through, you know, the same God uh, with, with many locations, one church in many locations. And uh, I love seeing what God's doing through other churches, but it always makes me a little bit homesick for here. Uh, because I missed you guys, and I miss our team, and we've got a great team, a great worship team, uh, a great staff team, and a great team of volunteers and, and people who attend here. So thanks for uh, making me feel homesick last week. I appreciate that. Um, but it also uh, helps me appreciate what it's like to be a visitor at a new church. I mean, even as a pastor, I'm a little bit nervous walking in, thinking, will I know the songs? Will I, know, will I understand what he's talking about? Will I know what to do when this happens or when that happens? And so, um, man, if you're a guest or visitor, a uh, special Thanks for getting the courage to be here this morning. Um, I'm excited for our message this morning uh, because we've got a special guest. But before we do that, um, I, I want to welcome up our host team, and they're going to collect the offering right now. And we usually celebrate that here at Genesis Church. So I was on vacation last week, so I didn't have time to write a message. So I called in um, at reinforcements. No, really, but I was really excited to be able to, um, when we looked back a couple months and were able to put this on the calendar with my good friend, Josh Tandy. Um, look at that. I don't even have to tell him who you are. Uh, Josh, if you don't know, Josh was our youth pastor here for a couple of years and left about a year ago, I guess. Uh, he and his wife, Heidi, who was playing keys, uh, Josh and Heidi went to go plant a church down around the Cincinnati area. And I'm excited that he's going to get to tell you a little bit about that story this morning. Uh, but we're continuing in our series called The Story. And so I hope that you will help me give a warm Genesis welcome to Josh Tandy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's, uh, thanks for the, the two of you who clapped. You may be related to me. I appreciate that. Uh, that's awesome. Um, it's really good to be back. I'm, uh, my, my name is Josh Tandy, like Steve said. I'm the lead pastor of Movement Church, uh, a new church down in northern Kentucky just across the river from Cincinnati about a year ago. I was the, the student pastor here and, and did, was able to do a lot of other great things that were um, really just an incredible blessing for myself and my family. Um, but starting a new church is kind of weird. Like when you get right down to it, like this whole idea of moving to a new area and, and trying to meet people and connect with others and say, we're starting a new church and no, we don't have a building yet. And no, we don't really have staff other than myself. And we're not really meeting in terms of Sunday mornings, but we're trying to serve and we're getting together midweek to, to connect with one another and do all these things. But it, it's kind of an interesting thing, but it's really interesting to me at least to see how God's put this together. And, and I feel very much like a spectator. So I want to tell you a couple stories just to kind of update you, but also to see, see from my perspective just how blessed I, I am and we are uh, to be doing this. So a, a few months back, we had, or last month, we had a, a booth at a local festival. This is a big festival, so we got a table and we put up our, our banner and we're trying to meet with people. And we thought, well, how do we connect? How do we share? How do we do something that serves the community? So we we're, we're talking to other people on Facebook, and someone had the idea of setting up a photo booth. So we got these props, and we did all these things. But if you know me, that I'm not the guy to be behind the camera. I, I don't know how to operate that well. I don't have the equipment. And so one of our launch team members, one of the guys that we had met, this, this 25-year-old college student who's just finishing up as a, as a, a photography and, and visual arts major, said, yeah, I've got the stuff. I'll bring it. So he shows up, and he's taking pictures and doing all this stuff. It, it's really great. And one of the families that came and got their picture taken was, was just really captivated by what we're trying to do. And they said, yeah, we're, we're on board. And I'm actually able to, to train that, that couple this week and apprentice them to be leading a group, a small group, uh, here in the future. And all of these things that are happening 
are, are, have nothing to do with myself. We, we only got the booth because I spoke at a church that the lady or the, the gal who was in charge of this festival went to that church, heard our story, but she helped us work around the, the rule that not-for-profits couldn't have a booth. So I, had a, I called my realtor, the guy who sold us our house, and said, would you buy us a booth? Can we pay you back for that? And, and he, of course, agreed. And all these things just lined up perfectly for us to be able to do this one event that led to several families joining Movement Church. And I think about that, and I realize that none of that happens without Genesis Church sending us off and supporting us at the beginning and through today. None of that happens without your prayers, without your finances, without your encouragement, without, without the, the, just the incredible love that you have shown to us. And so I, I'm really proud and thankful that Genesis Church stepped up first. That Genesis Church stepped up first to help make this possible. And, and, and I want you guys to know that your prayers, your generosity are helping create another community where people can find their way back to God. And another community where people can, can engage with the mission of God. And so I, I'm so thankful for Genesis Church. I'm so thankful that, that we have this as part of our story. Uh, one of the big uh, news items that, that kind of broke this week about Movement Church, I wanted to share with you guys and kind of break the news here first, is, is an issue of space. You know, one of the big challenges facing a new church is where are you going to meet? You know, where are you going to gather? How do you find space? How do you have the capital to, to purchase space or rent space? And so we were looking for different things to rent. We were looking at different schools and different, different like banquet halls and community centers, and nothing was really working out. There was a, one elementary school that we had kind of written off because of a lack of, of parking, and we felt like, you know what, we need to go in there and just at least look at it. Uh, well, I sent out a message about two weeks ago through our email uh, newsletter blast. Just said, hey, I'm go- we're going, out to ch- going to check out a space. We're really hopeful. We'd love for you to be praying about that. And, and in fact, on Thursday, we got an email. We got a contract approved to meet there for our preview services. So we're very excited that we have a space uh, for Movement Church. And we appreciate you guys praying with us about that uh, in, in a way that, that helped us get to this point. And so um, that's what's going on with Movement Church. Um, but before, when we were leaving... Genesis Church, about a year ago when we left here, we were just starting the story. And you guys were starting a journey. We're going to go through the entire Bible in a year, a year or so. And you're in the home stretch. And maybe some of you are kind of glad you're in the home stretch. You're ready for something else that, even though it's been good, it just felt a little long. But here you are in the home stretch. You're about two or three weeks away from wrapping this up. And I'm glad that I get to be here and, and kind of help you guys finish strong. Because today, we're looking at what happens after Jesus' ministry on earth ends. You know, Jesus is put on the cross. He's, he's, he dies there. He's publicly executed in a very humiliating, very painful way. He's taken down from the cross. He's dead. He doesn't have a heartbeat. And they put him in a tomb, a, a borrowed tomb of, of a wealthy person. And they put him in there, and they, they seal it up. They put a rock in front of it. They put guards in front of it. That's Friday afternoon, Friday evening. And then Sunday morning, all of a sudden, Jesus walks, walks out perfectly alive, eating, breathing, living, walking around, talking to people. And his earliest followers who had seen what happened on the cross, who were just absolutely crushed by this, they're not really sure what to do or where to go from here. All of a sudden they're hearing reports that Jesus is alive, that so-and-so saw him, so-and-so had a meal with him, and now he's showing up in our, in our midst, and I'm able to talk to him, and he's got these scars and these holes in this, where they put the nails, and able to touch this, and it's just this incredible experience. But Pretty soon, all of a sudden, Jesus ascends into heaven. He doesn't die again, but he literally just goes up to heaven in front of, of, of a group of witnesses. And if I was in that situation, if I was one of those, those men and women that were standing there watching this incredible thing happen, I'd be thinking to myself, well, 
Now what am I supposed to do? Now what am I supposed to do? I had so much hope in Jesus, then he died, I felt crushed, and then he came back, and I was like, okay, this is great, we've got him, we can just we can keep rolling with what we were doing, and then he goes up to heaven again. I immediately started to think, well, now what? Now what are we supposed to do? In the book of Acts, in the, the chapter of the story that, that we're focusing on this week, we're looking at that now what question. We're looking at God's plan for the church. Uh, we're going to start in Acts chapter 2 if you want to follow along. Uh, but that's what we're going to see. We're going to see God's intention, the model, so to speak. What, what is the ideal situation for the church? Now, we realize that, that this is a very complicated thing to get to. We put a model in front of us, but we're broken people, and we're, we're in a broken society. So it's hard to get there, but we can still shoot for that goal. We can still try to move closer to that. We'll also see later in the book of Acts how the church itself, the early church, they kind of step away from this intended model because of, of persecution, because of complicated, uh, even like um, uh, prejudice amongst other people groups, and all these things they have to work around. We'll see them do that, but here at the start, we can see that model. Here at the start, we can see what, what is the intention that God had for the local church. So we're going to start in verse 42 with that intention of, of chapter 2. And you can follow along on the screens, or you, you can read there uh, in your seat. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. It says, They devoted themselves, speaking of the church, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So real quick, there's a list here. There's four main things that, that happen that are very specific in terms of what the church does. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's the, the Bible. That's Scripture. That's the, the story of God as we have it. That's, that's understanding what God wants for us through biblical teaching. The second is fellowship, which I think maybe we could substitute the word in there for relationships for that, or maybe even intentional relationships when we talk about fellowship. Fellowship, sometimes in, in church circles, if you've been a part of this for a long time, or other churches, fellowship usually centers around a meal or a kind of a potluck situation, which is a great thing, but fellowship doesn't end there. The third thing is, is the breaking of bread. And in this context, they're talking about communion. I think you guys celebrated that here recently, maybe even last week. Uh, if, I, if I had that right. But communion is where you stop and you remember, you reflect on what Christ did. And this, this kind of communal, kind of group thing where we all kind of process what actually happened in Jesus. The fourth thing is that they said that they devoted themselves to prayer. So these were the things the early church committed themselves to. It was teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And as we read on, we find that as a result of these things, kind of the outflow of what happens there in verse 42, several things come about. So starting in verse 43, it says this. It said, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, they, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Really just an incredible line of scripture, that incredible paragraph of information that we see there. If we begin to think about some of the challenges that they were facing, where they have all these people coming together, sharing these things, the, the, the challenges that would be coming up would be pretty incredible. I, 
I used to own a truck, and then I sold it, and I, I missed my truck. But my, I had this truck, and people would often ask me to borrow it. You know, any other truck owners know what I'm talking about. You know, anytime someone's moving, you're the best friend in that person's life, you know, and they're, they're willing to do whatever. And I always, I always kind of hesitated with certain people or people I didn't know very well about handing the keys over. Now, some of the people, I'm like, absolutely, I'd love to help, but inside there was that selfish part of me like, I don't... I think I'm busy that day, you know? And so I imagine in this scenario where they're sharing literally everything, I know I would have a hard time with that. You know, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest, I like my stuff, and that's your stuff, and that's great, but I like my stuff. When Heidi and I go out to dinner, like, I don't pick off my plate, I won't pick off your plate kind of deal, you know? And so I, I kind of like that, that kind of clear line, you know? But here, they're sharing everything. They're very, very open. They're very much open-handed with what they have. I, I can't imagine the, the, the conversations and the potential issues that would arise that they had to continue to work through. But it, in this situation, it works. In this situation, it apparently works because of their sincere hearts. They were so incredibly focused on this incredible message of the gospel, this truly self-giving thing where they were saying, we are going to be completely humble about this, we're going to be completely open, because we understand what's this, what this is really about. And because of that, literally hundreds of people are joining them as they go about their, this, this community, this local church. But there's one phrase that really stands out to me. It's verse 47. It's in there. It says that the church enjoyed the favor of all the people. Now, in my local context of, of starting Movement Church and being a part of that team, I would go around and I would talk to people and I would tell them what I'm doing. And for us, we quickly realized that our number one challenge is going to be credibility on a local level. We have to get people's trust really quick, really fast. We have to do things like service and be very transparent. But there are some other things that we can't control that are at play here. Because when I would talk to people, they would quickly start telling me stories about other churches in the area. They would quickly start throwing other churches under the proverbial bus. They would tell me about the pastor, the local pastor who's in jail right now because of fraud. They would tell me about the, the number of pastors who had been unfaithful to their spouses. They would tell me all these stories of church splits, of conflict, of, of just incredible scandal at times, and incredibly just, just sin running rampant within the church. And and, and that's, not a, that's not isolated there where we are. That's an issue that we could probably all have stories about, where we see things that become completely broken, that we see things that over and over again, they, they, they start to fall apart. And, and so for me, I realize that, that we have all made mistakes and that churches don't enjoy the favor of all the people. So how do we again gain the favor of all the people as a church? How do we do that? And I just want to say up front, before we move forward here, that there are some, some things in here that, that are hard to hear, maybe, as a church. And I want you to know that as, as a leader of Movement Church and as an extended family member of Genesis Church, I want, I want the best for us, but I know, I know that I'm part of the problem as well. And I know that there, there are imperfections along with incredible, incredibly good things going on. And so I don't want you to hear me over the next you know, 15, 20 minutes and just think that, that I'm just, just telling you what you should do. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself as well. And I'm not trying to in, induce guilt or shame, but, but what I'm trying to do is hold ourselves up as best we can to this, this model, this intention for the local church that we see here in Acts chapter 2. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to compare ourselves to some, some modern things that maybe we're similar to. Not, not similar in the way that we have the same stuff, but the intention and the purpose is the same. So I'll, let me give you an example. The first one is that I think the church has become like a movie theater. Now, not in the sense that they have big screens and we have big screens or something like that, but in terms of the purpose of this thing, what you go and what's the intention of that. I think we're, we're, we're quite a bit like that, and we, we have that propensity to fall into that trap. I love movies. I love going to movies. I love, love enjoying that. But think about what happens when you step into that, that environment, step into a movie theater. Hopefully you sit down in a, in a comfortable seat. You know, maybe you've got some snacks and a Coke. Maybe if you're on a date or you're with your, your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or your spouse, and you've got the armchair that pulls up, you've got a little, little cuddle action going on or something there, I don't know. But, but you get in that, that kind of in- interesting situation. <laughs> My wife's nodding very adamantly. Uh, <laughs> you get in that situation, and it's, it's like this, this nice little sanctuary for yourself. Like it's dark. It's the best video. It's the best sound. They tell you to turn your phone off so you have no distractions. For two, two and a half hours, whatever it is, you're really locked in on what's in front of you. And then when you leave, you have, you have a conversation that goes, well, did you enjoy the movie? How did you think it ended? Was this, did you follow this? What did you think about that? Was it too long? Was it too short? And if I'm honest, those series of questions are, are sometimes what I run through when I think about preparing a sermon. You know, am I, am I captivating people? You know, am I making them laugh at certain points? Is it too long? Is it too short? Is it muddy here? Is it clear there? And I think those are helpful questions, but is that the only question that I'm asking myself? Am I entertaining you? When you leave church, when you leave here in, in an hour or so, or whenever it is, you, are you going to ask yourself, well, what did you think about the music? Um, what did you think about Josh's message? Were people nice to me? And you kind of run it through this evaluation grid where you're asking yourself, basically, was I, was, was I entertained while I was there? And all of a sudden, the church can become quite a bit like a movie theater, because we're very capable of this. We're very capable of, of, of all of a sudden turning ourselves into the audience. But, but we're not here to be entertained. I'm not here to entertain you. Cameron, the band, they're not here to entertain you. We are here because God is the audience, and we are the worshipers. Uh, a pastor up in, in Minnesota by the name of John Piper says it this way. He says that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. What we read about in the early church, it wasn't just coming to a place for an hour to be entertained. And I'm sure they enjoyed themselves. I think they would have to, to live in that kind of extreme community. In fact, I think earlier in Acts chapter 2, Peter starts the first sermon with a little joke. He has a little twist of sarcasm there. So I think that that's, that's there, but the point was not entertainment. It was a byproduct that, that, that happened, but what happened in verse 42 is says they have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted, they committed themselves to this. This was a way of life for them. They were looking, for the, looking to the word of God for guidance, for clarity, for direction. And that is what I want for, for us, for Genesis Church and for Movement Church, for all churches that worship Jesus to be devoted to this. That we're not just coming together to be entertained by good music, even though that we should have good music. We're not being, being, coming together just to be entertained by a captivating message that's clear, even though we should shoot for that. that but that's not the point. The point is, is that we're devoted to the teaching of the Word of God. Because that's going to determine how we function in our relationships. That's going to determine how we function in our marriages, how we raise our kids, what we do with our finances, how we live our lives. So my prayer for you and for myself is that when we gather together, 
that the spirit in which we worship and listen to the word of God is one in which we are humble and hard enough to ask, God, what do you have for me? How am I a part of this? Now what do I do? How do I take a step further into your will? How do I become part of this on a deeper level? Stretch me, push me, put this in front of me so that I can be a part of it, not that I can benefit from it, but so that I can be a part of what you're doing. And that's not going to happen if we think of ourselves as an audience, because God is ultimately the audience. The second image is that of a store. And the picture that we have for that is, is of Target. My wife loves Target. I don't really care for Target. I drop her off at the front door. She goes in. I sit in the car with the boy or on my phone, right? But shopping can be a little bit of a dangerous thing, particularly in relationships. Have, have any of you ever been to Ikea? You ever been to Ikea? You drive to Chicago, drive down Cincinnati, go to Ikea. It's this huge, sprawling, like, 45-acre plot of land where they have this store that's multiple levels and it's like winding and you go through all these very miniaturely sized apartment-style staged rooms with all this furniture that's pretty cheaply made and impossible to put together and, and you can't really like get through it quickly. You have to go and meander and everything's in Swedish and you don't really know what's going on. And, and if you're in a relationship, particularly if you're dating, I would advise you not to go in there together because... The relationship may not last. You know, that, this, is, this is a tough place to be. So if you're coming down to Cincinnati to go to Ikea, we'll kill two birds with one stone. You drop your, your girlfriend, your, your wife off. Guys, we'll go get lunch. The girls will shop, and everybody will be happy, and your relationship will be intact on your way back up to Indy. So uh, understand that that's a, that's a dangerous place. But for me, I don't like to go into those places, but I still really like to shop. I still really like to go in, go in and find the best, best deal. And so I do things like Amazon or Craigslist or eBay, and I'll, I'll read all the reviews, and I'll look for the best price or the best deal because ultimately I'm trying to spend the least amount of money and get most of the things that I want. And so ultimately this is, this is our mindset for this consumer ideal, and it kind of permeates everything in our lives, including church. We even use the phrase church shopping. And we, we say we're going around different churches and see what they have to offer. And I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you if you've said that before. Maybe even you're here today to kind of church shop. And as a dad of a, of, a, of, a, of a one-year-old, if church shopping means I drop my kid off the nursery and I'm evaluating whether it's safe and clean and, like, engaging, if that's church shopping, then I'm guilty. Like, there's some things that you need to evaluate. But if we're just showing up to church and asking ourselves, how can we get the most out of this for the least commitment? How can we give the least and get the most? And I think that this is something that we have a tendency to do in our culture because we we end up having this very selfish mindset. We want what's best for us. But the early church is described very differently. They're not described as shoppers, but they're described as a family. If you look in verse 44, it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. So there's unity there. They share their things, but, but more importantly, they're, they're on the same page. They're, they're focused on the same things. They're in agreement as to what's most important. There might have been details that might have disagreed on, but in the big things, they were, they were one. And that's my hope for us. My hope for us is that this would be a place where brothers and sisters come together, where, where people come together knowing that we're, we're a little bit different, that we have this different way of going about things, that we have the most important thing in common. And because of that, we are a family. We're the family of God adopted by the Lord into his family. And there's a lot of power when we realize this. We realize that we're under this different kind of relationship 
with one another. And it really opens up a lot of different things. And realizing that family is more important than the minor details that might push us away or the messy past that we come into this with. Uh, There's, in fact, a, a story in the news recently. There's a video clip I want to show you a while back that illustrates this idea of really, really well of discovering family. So I want, to, I want you to watch this video. For Gary Nisbet, there was... Isn't that a cool story? Uh, they're riding around in a truck together, and people say, you guys look alike. You guys could be brothers. And, and sure enough, they're, they're full brothers that just discovered each other. And, and isn't that an incredible picture? I, knowing many of your stories... I know that many of you come into Genesis Church and have come here with, with a messy family history. You, you come in here with, with some baggage maybe, some hurt, some pain, some things that were done to you that you didn't have any control over. And the beautiful thing isn't that that went away. The beautiful thing is that this place and these people, whether it's your connection group, those you serve with, those you sit by every Sunday, have become your family. That when something big happens in your life, you don't call your biological mom and dad. When, when something incredible happens or something hard happens, you don't reach out to your family members. You reach out to your church family members, to this family. You celebrate that. Now, we, we want your biological family to be, to be restored, to find their way back to God. We want that. We want healing for you. But isn't it beautiful that, that family exists? Now, this, this is a very imperfect family. There, there are problems, there are, there are deficiencies that we all have, and as a community we have, and as a, as a big C church, as a capital C church, we have. You know, there, there are some, there's some cousin Eddies in this church. And if you don't know, if you're the cousin Eddie, and you don't know who the cousin Eddie is, well, maybe you are, the, I don't know, and you need to have that conversation with someone that you love, that loves you. But, but it's imperfect, it, it, it's flawed, but, but isn't it a beautiful picture that, that we can have that type of community, that we can have that kind of that interaction with one another where it becomes family. And, and so maybe, maybe you need to quit shopping. Maybe you've been here a month or maybe you've been here a decade. Maybe you've, you've been here for just long enough to where you're not quite ready to take that step. Now get your questions answered, investigate, consult God, consult people that have wisdom like before taking that big step of, of becoming part of this. But maybe it's time to make a, make a step. Maybe it's time to, to step into that. Maybe it's time that you need to, to move towards what God intends for the local church and be a part of that here. Another image that I think would, would kind of captures what we do with church and our mindset with church really well is that of a restaurant. Now, imagine walking into a restaurant, and, and they hand you a rag and a, and a bucket, and they say, wipe down the tables. Or they hand you a tray with the food and say, table four need, needs this stuff. Or imagine they, they hand you the, the busboy stuff, and they take you back, stay, back, back to the kitchen, and they tell you to, to wash the dishes. That would be a, a business model that probably wouldn't work. But I think sometimes this is what we expect when we come to church. We, we show up, and we want people to serve us. We want people to, we sit down, and we expect it, expect it to come to us. Uh, ben Krause had, had a big part of, of putting this message together, and I was talking with him um, about the message, and, and he shared a story that I think really spoke to this in, in, a, in a kind of an alarming way for me. He said he was talking with a couple that has served in the cafe very faithfully for a long time, and, and they, they're always there, and they're always you know, putting things out and getting the bagels ready and all that stuff, and they, they, told, they talked about how when sometimes they would run out of bagels, they would run out of coffee, how people would be pretty upset about that. 
They'd be upset that their, their specific bagel they wanted wasn't there, that they weren't able to, to get that. Now, we, we share food, we do that, but we're not a restaurant. It really, it really bothers me, and I think it probably bothers all of us that, that we would do that. We would get upset about it not being there. I've heard of other churches that have instituted different things with their children's ministry to make it safer. That they, They've done different things for check-in, check-out to kind of control the number of exits and, and, and limit that which in turn causes a delay in getting people in and out. And I've heard, heard parents complain about that, and I think, really? Is that, is that good? I've heard about arguments in the church parking lot as people are trying to leave. Come on. That's, that, that, that's not what we're supposed to be about. Maybe, maybe instead of approaching this as a restaurant, maybe we need to, to get into the kitchen and do some of the work ourselves. Maybe we need to volunteer for the parking team and help people Come find a place because when you're new and you're, everything's new to you and you're trying to figure out where to go, it's really helpful to have a good start there in the parking lot. Maybe instead of dropping your kids off at, at Gen Kids or GSM, maybe it's time to, to become part of that and serve in some capacity. Maybe for you, it, it, it's serving and being a part of something that isn't even locally here. Maybe there's something in your community, some organization that you can jump in with, that you find a way to become part of it and not just receive and, and be served by it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 45, it says really clearly and really profoundly, it says that they were selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Anyone as he had need. They were giving this, they were sharing this, because they had, and there were people who didn't. We're not the customers. We're not the audience. We did not come to be served. We are the servants. We come to serve. Another image that I think is helpful for us is that of a gas station. And you think about, about what happens at a gas station. You pull in, you fill up, and you go. Maybe you go inside, and you're just making this as quick as possible to get in and get out. You don't really think about a gas station until you need a gas station. And maybe that's how we've approached church. It's a place where we go and fill up, come, come once a week, get your spiritual tank filled, you're in, you're out. And it's not until next weekend that you do it again. But the early church, as described in Acts 2, says this in verse 46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, temple courts wasn't church. That was, where, that was a gathering place. So they're not saying that they went to church every day. It's saying that they found community with other believers every day. That they served, they shared meals, they shared things. They, they got together and did life with other believers every day. So it's not showing up here every day. It's not having a small group every day, but it's finding ways to serve those around you, to connect with other believers, to do something that helps bring us closer to this intention, this model every day. You know, it's really hard to to describe to people what I'm doing uh, with starting a new church. And when I talk to people in the area down there, they'll immediately start to ask, well, where's your building? Where are you located? And I'm like, well, I, I work from Starbucks quite a bit, and I have a home office, and we meet in our living room. You know, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the answer. That's the honest answer. But what they're looking for is, well, where's your building? You know, where's your address? You know, what, what is this? And we're not, we're not going to buy and build a building. We're going to rent an elementary school that we use for three or four hours a week at most. And so I have to do things to try to help people understand that, that not only do we ha- not have a central location, but church in general isn't about brick and mortar isn't about a building, isn't about a place where you go to receive something and then leave. And this understanding, this understanding that church is not this, that this is part of church, but church is not this, is a, is a very important thing for us to understand. 
It's an incredibly important thing because it helps us understand the bigness of God's mission. We see this spirit and this mentality in Acts chapter 2. It was a group of people who loved meeting together and being in community with one another. They enjoyed this. In this community, it was something that they devoted their lives to. And So the question is, is this something that you've devoted your life to? The church is not a place to stop in for a quick fix. It's, a, it's, it's people that are devoted to something, devoted to the gospel. The last image that I think might help us is that of a gym. That of a gym. And I know a lot of you probably have gym memberships, and some of you use it. You know, I, I know a lot of us have plans that we're going to do things to get in shape, and some of us follow through with those plans. We know that, that when we think about a gym, we think about a place where we go to get in shape, but in reality, the, the statistics back this up, it's usually a place where people go to remain in shape, which is a good thing, but people coming in for the first time feel very awkward and very uncomfortable. And so we've even seen, you've even seen some new gyms come about that are really geared towards the, the person that's new. There's, there's a, there was a um, gym outside of uh, uh, Chicago in Naperville that only allowed people to sign up if they were planning or trying to lose 50 pounds or more. And so it wasn't a place to go show off what you've done. It was a place to really get some work done. Because it's not really fun to be the new person. I remember in ninth grade, in the first year of high school, we went into the weight room for the first time for conditioning. And you're in there with the football players, these 18-year-old linemen who are, who are squatting 500 pounds, and you're barely doing the bar, and you feel really, really awkward. You don't know what to do. You don't know how things work. You don't really know where to go. It's very intimidating. And so for us, when we think about churches, the gym, this is not a place to show off. This is not a place to show what we've accomplished or what we've done. You know, maybe the gym analogy doesn't work for you. Maybe it's Facebook. You know, you, you probably don't put the reality of your life on Facebook. You put what you want the reality of your life to be on Facebook. You want, what people, to, you want, want people to see what you want them to see. You put forward that good, the good stuff. And so, so for us, when we think about church, this isn't a place to show off and show the finished product. This is a place to show a work in progress. This is a place to be honest about where we are. This is a place where the people who feel out of place can feel comfortable. You know, this is a place where we can say none of us are perfect, that we're all on this journey, that God's working in all of our lives, and our relationships, and our marriages, and our families. But sometimes people on the outside come in, and they see this, and they think, there's not really a spot for me. I don't know how to get into this. They all seem to kind of have something figured out, and it seems pretty tight-knit. That's great for them, but it's just not for me. So this would be a place where we're in shape, but this would be a place where we're welcoming people in. And in and, and verse 47, it says this. It says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being served. With Movement Church, we have, a, we have a group of about 15 people right now on our team. We meet in our living room, we meet in local coffee shops, and we serve together. We try to do some development, some leadership development. And it's really fun. And we're getting to know each other. But I keep having to tell them, this is not what it's going to be. This is not permanent. That more people are going to come to this if God's going to bless this. So we have to prepare for that. So we have to understand that we may get really, really comfortable here, but every week there's going to be somebody new. And every week it's going to be awkward because we're all going to feel that and they're going to try to get into this. Now, something like this, this size, it's easy to ignore the new person. It's easy to just assume they know what's going on. We don't want to be that gym, that place where people aren't welcome. The mission of Genesis Church is very clear. It's helping people find their way back to God. 
So what does that mean? It means that we're in the business of making disciples. It means that you're, you're about teaching people what it means to love God and others. It means that you're trying to follow what Jesus commanded us to do. This is what the church was called to do. So maybe, maybe there in your notes, maybe it would be helpful if you did this. Maybe it would be helpful if you wrote down the five different things that we may have turned church into. And then for you, maybe as you look at these five things, to think about, well, which one am I most guilty of? Which, which one's come my default? So let's review those real quick as maybe you write those down. The first is that the church is not a movie theater. The church is not a movie theater, a place where you go to be entertained. You are not the audience. God is. The church is not a shopping center. This is not where we look out for ourselves. We look out for our best interests. This is a place where we are a family. It's not a shopping center. The church is not a restaurant. It's not a place where you go to be served and, and you base your judgment on this, in, in this, uh, this place based on how well you're served. This is a place where you go to be served, or to go to, go to serve. Or it's a place where you go to be a part of this, to be a part of something. It's not a place where you're served. It's a place where you serve the fourth thing is that the church is not a gas station. It's not where you stop in once a week. I mean, I know that, that God talks about spiritual food and being nourished and being fed. And that analogy works. But if that's all you're looking for is what can I get out of it when you stop in to be filled up, well, then I think you're missing a great deal of what the local church is about. So the church is not a gas station. It's a, it's a, it's a place where we live life with other believers. It's not just a place where we stop in. The fifth and final thing is that the church isn't a gym where only people who feel in shape are welcome. Those who seem to to say the right things and do the right things and understand the culture, it's not just for them. In fact, it's not even primarily for them. If you've been here for a while, if you call this church your home, it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for those that, that don't know. It's those who are on the outside and are looking to become insiders. It's not primarily for you. So the church isn't those things. And if I think back to what we read there at the beginning, that that section of Scripture and that verse that stood out to me in verse 47, that the early church found the favor of all the people. That people on the outside who wanted nothing to do with this looked at them and said, you know what, they're doing good stuff. I don't agree with what they're saying, but you can't argue with what they're doing. They found the favor of, of the people. So, so the question is, is that if we act no differently than we would at the movies, at the store, at a restaurant, a gas station, or at the gym, then why in, why in the world would we think that anyone would look at us with favor? If all we do is come together and exactly, act exactly like the rest of the world, then why would we have favor with anyone? If all we're doing is looking out for number one, looking to be served, looking for what I can get out of this, I mean, does that sound compelling to you at all? If Genesis Church disappeared tomorrow and the people of Carmel, the people of Noblesville, the people of Hamilton County didn't notice, then what's the point? Maybe you're realizing that some of your attitudes, some of your thoughts about church may have been a little off. And it means time to start changing your thinking and your perspective about church. Maybe it's time to, to step up and find a place to serve, to reprioritize some things. Maybe you don't know where to start. Coming up on November 9th, right here in this building, there's going to be a spiritual gifts class. There's free lunch. There's free child care. There's no excuse not to go to this. They're going to help you understand where is your best fit and then where that might fit here. 
There's an insert in your program. You can find out more information. You can also check it out on the website. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just checking out. Maybe this is your first time. So, so maybe you're in that place, that healthy, normal place where you're, you're trying to understand where you might fit. And if this is home for you, that's fine. But maybe you've been here for a while and you say, you know what, I want to be a part of this imperfect family. I want to be a part of a family that's honest enough about their issues, the, a place where we can serve. And maybe you're here and, and you're new to, to this whole faith Christianity thing and you need to talk a little bit more about that about not just joining the family here locally, but, but literally joining the family of God. I'll be down front. I'm sure Steve will be down front. There'll be other people here to pray with you and talk with you about those things at the end here. But understand that, that this is an opportunity for you to be a part of something. And something happens to all of us between now and when we get in our cars where we lose something there. And so maybe for right now, right there on your notes, you need to write something out. What's your next step? Maybe you need to circle one of those five things. Like, this is what I always do. I always evaluate church as this. I need to be on the guard and be aware of that. Or maybe you're an outsider and you're looking to become an insider. You're looking to serve, become part of this. We would love to talk to you about this. But understand that Genesis Church is about moving closer to the intended thing for church that God laid out in Acts chapter 2. And we're not going to get there without you. It's not about a strategy. It's not about a budget. It's not about some sort of building. It's about more people coming back to God and joining the mission of God. And so how are you going to play a part in this? And I know that Genesis Church would love to have you. Let's pray. Jesus, we we come here without answers, without understanding about, about maybe exactly what we're supposed to be doing next. But hopefully we, we come here and leave here knowing that we need to take another step in that direction. And so, God, I thank you so much for, for Genesis Church and the, what you're doing here uh, uh, with these people and among these people and through these people. I thank you for the impact that it's had on my life as they've sent me out so well. And, God, I thank you for the fact that this church is trying to get closer to this Acts 2 model. And I thank you for the fact that so many people in this room that will be in this room later, that will be in the, in the room in Noblesville, are a part of this, are actively a part of this and moving towards that. But Jesus, right now I pray for those that are maybe would label themselves as an outsider. I, I pray that you would open up doors to allow them to come in, that you would remove barriers, whatever they may be, allowing them to become a part of this family. And the big thing, God, the, the, the best thing, the most important thing, that those who are outside, God, of your family, those who don't know you, those who haven't found their way back, those who, don't, who haven't really ever professed belief that your son, Jesus, was who he said he was. Lord, that, that those of us who are in that camp can begin taking a step towards you. So, God, I thank you that you... You allow us to come to you with our messy lives, with our messy stories, with our complicated background. You allow us to come into this place and you expect nothing but our hearts, nothing but our lives. You expect us to join in what you're doing. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace that we so need. 
It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.